Welcome to the Camera Shake Podcast, episode 34. Today we have another special guest on the show, but before we get into that, let me just uh, say a few things. Um, if you are listening to the audio version of this podcast, please head over to YouTube. If you can uh, search for Camera Shake Podcast, we need 13 more subscribers um, to hit 100, which, you know, it makes us a very small podcast. <laughs> but unfortunately, YouTube um, allows you to custom name your, uh, your YouTube channel when you hit 100 subscribers. So we're very close. And with your help, hopefully we're going to make it. Um, so head over to YouTube if you're not... Um, watching this on YouTube already. And of course, if you subscribed already, don't worry about it. But if you're not, hit that subscribe button. That'd be super awesome. Um, also, we are now on Instagram, believe it or not. Um, so you can look us up on Instagram. It's at Podcast, And we're also on Twitter, believe it or believe it not. Have you ever been on Twitter? No, no, I haven't. Oh, no. no, I had an egg photo for a little while once when I was uh, about 17. Is you, are, you, are you on Twitter, Sean? You are on Twitter. I am indeed, yeah. I'm on Twitter at the moment. It's uh, I, I'm not on it so much, but it works. You know, I, I want to sort of uh, involve it in more to what I do, but we'll see. Small steps. Cool. So if you're on Twitter, you can uh, find us at Shake Camera for some reason. That's our Twitter handle, but uh, check us out there. Um, and also, lastly, if you are the one person listening to us in Colorado Springs, Please get in touch. You can send us a message. It'd be super awesome to find out who you actually are. Colorado Springs pops up on the map. Um, super interesting. But, you know, get in touch. Uh, you can send us an email on camerashakepodcast at gmail.com or just hit us up on Facebook. Um, again, facebook.com forward slash camerashakepodcast, blah, blah, blah. Just send us a message on that. That'd be super awesome because we're always trying to connect with listeners and find out what you're up to and where you're listening to this podcast from. Um, so that being said, without further ado, let's get into episode number 34. Please welcome Sean Luthwaite on the show today. Sean, how's it going? You okay? I'm not doing too bad yourself. Hanging in there? Just about, yeah. Busy days, busy days. But, uh, yeah. You know. uh, yeah, still still waiting for the snow to happen here, but we'll see if it happens this year. It happened last year, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Well, because you're not actually in the UK. You're over in Sweden, right? I'm in Stockholm, Sweden. I've been over here since 2008 now. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Still enjoying it. So yeah, it's, it's good fun. It's good fun. Awesome. I moved, so, over from, I moved over from London in 2008. Cool. Um, we'll get straight into the photography. So Sean, you're yep. a portrait photographer. That's correct. Of, um, of some incredible standards, I would say. Thank you um, very much. And, uh, and I, I, I want to talk to you about your uh, portrait photography work. Um, and you're also a headshot photographer, but your background is in graphic design, I understand. It is in graphic design. I uh, started off, I graduated from Cardinal College in Glasgow in 96, I think it was. Moved down to London for 14 years, worked for the BBC, uh, Thomson Reuters. Uh, then when I moved over to Stockholm, I started doing street photography. And it sort of went from there. Got my first uh, corporate headshot gig, really enjoyed that. But I found um, working with bankers and stuff, it's, uh, they're not really into talking as much. So I moved over to finding actors to shoot, which is a bit more interesting. So, How's your, interesting. your Swedish? Indesabra. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I understand. I can read it perfectly fine, understand it. I have actually had sessions or I'll speak English and the person will speak Swedish and we have a session like that and it, it works. We can communicate. It just can sound a bit strange with me speaking English and then speaking Swedish, but it works. That's the main thing. 
The only thing I know in Swedish is Jag vill ha en värmeaggregat i kylskåpet. Okay, you'll have something in the in the fridge. Yeah. Or <laughs> they have a radiator yeah, in the fridge. No. Makes sense. Think about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the the grammar is a bit different from English grammar or English grammar, but uh, it works. It works. That's the main thing. How did you How did you end up in Sweden? Mm. Yeah, I, I moved over to uh, Sweden. I, I uh, met a Swedish girl uh, online, and we started speaking to each other. And uh, one thing led to the other. Twelve visits later, I moved over to Stockholm in November 2008. So uh, yeah, I've been here for quite a few years now. Now married. Uh, so it's yeah, life's good. Life's good. The photography's you... taken off really quite nicely. So yeah. You started with street yeah, photography. Did you say in like in Stockholm? I did. Yeah, it was. I started off doing street photography, not with the best of cameras. It was a Fuji Finepix S5600, so it was like a bridge camera. Mm -hmm. uh, the shutter speed was terrible, but I managed to get some good shots if the people didn't move. Uh, one thing led to another. Um, I started doing some corporate headshots. Uh, then one day I was like, I, I need to find something else to to shoot. So I went onto Facebook and put in Actors Stockholm, came up with uh, Actors Studio Stockholm, local town quite close to us. Uh, they got in contact with me. The, the teacher was an American teacher. And he said, yeah, great. Let's go around, uh, come around here, and you can start shooting some of the students. And uh, it went from there, basically. So it's really good. It's evolved since then as well. So mm. it was good fun. Great. I've, I first saw your work, your work on Instagram. Um, yes, either quite some time ago. I mean, this goes back probably yeah, it's quite a, a few years or something. And um, it is, and, yeah. and the thing was like, I think at the time I was actually relatively new to Instagram. And, you know, I was looking through um, through different, you know, portrait photographers' accounts and stuff just to kind of get some inspiration and to look at some stuff. And there's, there's yeah. a thing that's that's always really stood out about about your images to the point where I now I don't even have to read who it's by I can see like your picture pops up I know it's yours that's it it's like it's that yeah, that's, 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 that's quite high praise <laughs> yeah it's, but it's that um that much of a personal style um how would yeah. you describe your your kind of portrait style to somebody who hasn't seen your your work yet I think for me um my style I I sort of followed Peter Hurley uh on uh, Instagram on the internet and YouTube And his styles of portraits are absolutely amazing, uh, but they are very much, when I start following, very much American, like white backgrounds, uh, quite a lot of, uh, not editing as such, but they just seem to be too perfect uh, for the uh, European market, especially Swedish market. They very much like them to be realistic headshots. So basically, the only thing I'm going to edit off the face if someone's got a pimple on the cheek or on the nose, I'll just Photoshop that off. So, but I want to sort of describe them as very cinematic type portraits. I shoot landscape uh, purely because that's how cast and directors uh, get to see what the actors are going to look like on screen. So there is method to how I shoot them. Uh, I, I used to shoot with strobe, uh, but that was a bit too clean cut for me. Everything was super sharp. And I, I don't mind that, but now that I shoot with um, an LED lamp, which um, allows me to have a much uh, shallow depth of field, so the eyes are crystal sharp, the back of the hair is a bit out of focus, so it puts all the focus onto the eyes, so it makes the casting directors 
actually look at the most interesting part of the photograph. So, so yeah, if anything, it's going to be cinematic type portraits that I should. That seems to work. Yeah, I mean your your style is really like, especially your black and whites, because you do a lot of black and white work. And um, I have to say, I mean, this you know, oh, I love black and white. It's it's just it's stunning. Those portraits are absolutely stunning. It's there's just something like so. Thank you. Um, it's I, I don't know. It's hard to describe. It's like there's something painterly about it because the, the thing I like about your style is this this really sort of two distinct really two distinct looks. Really, I would say like one is is your black and white look, which is very distinctive. Um, but then also yeah. your color look is really, it's very like painterly almost, you know, I would call that. I think that's sort of a term yeah. that's that's been used a lot uh, recently, but um, yeah. because you really, uh, you really go for, you always go for these like sort of almost like faded colors and it's kind of earthy tones and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And it's that, exactly. in, you know, that in conjunction with like your choice of background as well and the lighting. And I think we had, I think the first, the first time I sent you a message, uh, it was, I asked, I think I asked you about your lighting and the way, the way you light because yeah. that's for me um be you know i do a lot of portraits and i also do a lot of headshots um yeah but yeah. um so i'm i'm in, you know in, intuitively interested in how other headshot photographers light yeah. the subjects you know it's, it's one thing you always want to know really you know what kind of lens do you use exactly. and how do you, how do you light the damn thing <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I said I used to use uh, Allen Chrome. I still use Allen Chrome lamps. It's just like the small, I can't remember what, you number, what number they are. But yeah. now I got this uh, small LED lamp, which I use, allows me to get down to a really shallow depth of field. Mm -hmm. uh, I do shoot my uh, color temperatures more warmer uh, than the cool side. The actual backdrop is the one I'm using at the moment for this uh, Zoom chat. And it's actually the back side of a hand-painted one, which gives it a bit more of a rustic-type feel. Yeah. But as far as um, cameras go now, I'm, I'm using a Lumix, Panasonic Lumix S1 uh, with a 50 millimeter, mm -hmm. And their color system is the same that they use in their RE film cameras. So it's literally shoot the photograph, take off pimples, and that's it ready to go. It's, it's, it's out of camera, perfect colors for me. So it's been a bit of a difference, a bit of a struggle getting used to a new system but now it's it's, it's just second nature so it's perfect shoot with 50 millimeter when it's done so what's well, so is that is that what you usually use like a 50 mil yeah uh, yeah um for the sort of uh yeah for the standard headshots i will either use a 50 millimeter or an 85 millimeter on the um, uh, nikon d750 uh but for the panasonic i just have the 50 millimeter and it is uh, the sharpest lens i've ever used as far as shooting at uh, 1.4, everything is tack sharp. It's incredible. So highly recommended camera to use. So, Why did you shift from Nikon to Panasonic? Um, well, I was uh, shooting an event uh, in town, and uh, a guy from Panasonic was there with his um, S1H, which is a film camera. It's got like a built-in fan that allows you to film 6K 24-7 without overheating. So I got to use that for a couple of weeks and then he needed to give that to someone else to test with. So then he gave me, sent through the post, the S1. Uh, he just told me to keep the lens, send the body back and he sent me the S1 to work with. It's 24 megapixel and it's there's no loss in any sharpness or detail at all. Uh, so I thought I was going to be Nikon man till the day I die. Uh, apparently <laughs> not the, the look. <laughs> Uh, I was actually quite surprised, actually, when I actually did 
move to Lumix. Um, it's just the the eye focus. It, it it doesn't fail. It's great for outside portraits. It's really good in low light situation. Uh, the color for me is probably going to be one of my the biggest selling points to why I moved to Lumix. Um, it's just a very reliable camera. The only thing that is a bit of a down is the uh, battery life. As most you know, um, mirrorless cameras, the battery life isn't as good as digital SLRs. But mm. that, that's uh, that's it's, it's, it's not a sticking point to me at all. I have plenty of batteries, so mm. it works. Exactly, they're cheap too. So I, I'm um, a Lumix guy as well. Oh, nice. Um, so nice. I, but because I primarily do video, I've got the uh, I, I use the GH5S. Um, oh, nice. At, nice, at the nice. moment, which I've had for a while, and you know there is something about the colors that Panasonic produce. Yeah, it's just amazing. The, the profiles that are on there for for video, anyway, is just outstanding yeah. they're yeah. really yeah. good they're, they're distinctive you can pick them out when someone's yeah. been shot on a on a lumix versus canon for example um yeah yeah I, I love it i absolutely love that camera although i am considering now um switching to sony in next year Ooh. they've got okay. they've, they've got yeah, <laughs> the dark yeah, side. yeah i know <laughs> considering oh, no. i said considering <clears throat> they've got uh, yeah. some rumors of a new um new camera coming out which kind of fits the bill um the a well, what was it the a9 4 5 a94 yeah i think it's a94 mm. something like that i think it is but uh but the thing for me the, the reason why i said i would never i would only change consider changing is if the camera that i'm system that i'm using which is nikon if it stops doing what i need to do yep. that's mm. when i'm going to consider changing the system and it's just doing my, it's making my workflow a lot faster, which is, is better. It means I can shoot more. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, that's the other thing I want to talk to you about really is, is uh, like your work is really prolific. I mean, I, it's, I don't know anybody who like keeps putting up images. It's just like, it just keeps coming every day, <laughs> which is, which is, which yeah. is great. Um, how many sessions per week do you do? I don't, uh, before COVID, uh, I was uh, shooting maybe six sessions a week. I don't shoot any more than two sessions a day. I try to shoot um, three sessions in one day, but I don't really give a time uh, limit on sessions. So it's like yeah. two to three hours. And if I shoot two sessions, that's six hours uh, straight off the bat at max. Mm. So if I shoot three, that's going to be nine hours. And that's the last person doesn't get what the first person gets as far as my 100% effort in it. So I sort of limit it down to two sessions a day, but I will uh, shoot um, seven days a week being self-employed. You know, you know, I don't get paid holiday, so I have to work when the work's there, which is, I don't mind. I, I, I don't see what I do as work. It's, uh, it's something I find very enjoyable, very relaxing. So, um, yeah, it's, it, you know, it can be as much as, you know, six, seven sessions, a week, which is which is is quite good for me. So, do you work with casting agents just generally, or I do, I do. There's a couple that I do work with. There's one that is based here in Stockholm, and she has an office in London as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another one that I met recently. Uh, she's based in Oslo, but she's originally from Finland. Uh, so I do work closely with them. Uh, there's one that I did work with. Not directly, but it was an actress that I shot her headshot at the Actors Studio Stockholm, 
-hmm. And uh, a headshot that she used got noticed by a Hollywood studio and they asked to uh, have her in a movie. And the movie was uh, Maleficent 2 and all her leading roles was with Angelina Jolie. So when she came back, I got her to come over for some updated headshots, even though she hadn't aged at all for the last five years. So. Yeah. So it, it, it is good. It is good fun working with them. I do get some work given to me by the cast and directors. So it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Is it is it your main like your main form of of um, not necessarily advertising, but is that how you normally get in contact with actors, or how do you generally how did when you first started how did uh, you get your name out there? I first started off uh, as as a lot of uh, headshot photographers and portrait photographers. They sort of troll uh, Instagram around the local area, uh, and a lot of times I started off doing like a lot of TFP. Uh, since then, uh, my T TFP has gone right down. I only use TFP if I want to test a new lens out or test a new light out. Uh, but ninety percent of my customers now do come from Instagram. I'll shoot. Like a, a guy I shot today, uh, I shot him, his friends will see the pictures, they'll get in contact with me, their friends will see their pictures again and contact me. So it's very much a, a domino effect as far as people coming to me through. And a lot of it is word of mouth as well that I do get a lot of work from. So it is good. It is good. But yeah, Instagram is my soul. If it wasn't for Instagram, I wouldn't, I don't think I'd be working. So <laughs> cool. Do you have like a, do you have a particular like social media strategy or do you just, literally just post uh, project images and then just let it go yeah i just basically uh some people have stopped following me because i post too much sometimes <laughs> uh I, i do shoot a lot so it's a case of i will post a lot uh, and my sort of frame of mind is if if pe people see me posting a lot they'll think i'm in demand and want to shoot me themselves and sometimes that does work sometimes it doesn't but for the most part that it does work and uh Yeah, it's, it's it's a case of I'm just head down, run forward, and get catch as much work as I can. Uh, it's, it's quite competitive market, uh, headshots and portraits, but uh, I've been doing it now for quite a few years. I have got like a steady client list that do return. There's some people I've shot six or seven times, which is great for me. They know what they're going to get. I know what I'm going to get from them, which is you know it saves the whole meeting people for the first time in the first session, not yeah. being a complete hit, but the second session is so much better. So, but yeah, it's just head down and charge. <laughs> yeah. So. I think that's a, that's a couple of different things to tie in there is that, as you say, it is a competitive market. It's quite, yeah, it could, it can be quite saturated, which is why it's even more important to set yourself out, to stand out from all of those other portrait photographers. And you yeah. do just that. Your style is, as Kirsten said, is, is particular and you can scroll through and know it's your photo immediately. Yeah. That's yeah. so important and you absolutely nail it. Absolutely nail it. There's a thing. Yeah. Um, this, you mentioned Peter Hurley um, earlier. And of yes. course, for, for those um, listeners um, who are not necessarily familiar with Peter Hurley, Peter Hurley is in the, in the headshot world. It's usually uh, regarded as sort of the, the, the headshot king, if you want. You know, generally, I think he created really yeah. famous um uh style of of white background type of headshot originally which is now really it's kind of known as the new york head, headshot style or whatever exactly um, yeah and uh and he was also one of the early adopters of a kind of a landscape kind of a format um for for headshots it is. you know it's usually that eight by ten landscape kind of a thing 
Yeah. Um, which I think nowadays, I'm, you know, I think pretty much every like budding headshot photographer will try and emulate that style to some extent because it's quite a striking kind of style. And then, yeah, well, same. I mean, exactly the same. Exactly the same. And, uh, and you know, you want to work out, you know, Hannah, how, how he lights things, but nobody can ever afford Kinos, so... That goes straight out of the window. Now, not a chance. Yeah, not so, a chance. Exactly. Um, and of course, it's, you know, I think, I mean, I can speak for myself. I'm sure I'm speaking for many people. You know, you're always on the lookout for, like, to create another look and, you know, um, and play around with yeah. lighting and backgrounds and stuff. And that's, um, that's one of the things, which is, you know, which is why when I look at, at your work, it's really like everything kind of seems to come together on that. You know, I love the backgrounds. I love the kind of, you know, the sort of painted, like the hand painted yeah. look kind of backgrounds, um, and there's this this texture to it. Um, I love the yeah. colors. Um, I have a thing for like bright colors and like full on colors sometimes, but also like that muted film look almost mm -hmm. is is really you know it's, it's, it's something really artistic about. It. It's like a painting. Most of the yeah. Time. yeah, I mean, I mean, I think for me, it, it's taking me uh, several years to actually find and adopt a look that I like. I, I tried the whole. Uh, you know, three or four lights, reflectors, white background, and I was like, it's 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 just it's just not it was not capturing capturing me. I'm not expected to anyone else to be in awe about it. So I did buy a hand painted backdrop from Seamless Backdrops. I think they were based in uh, Southern Ireland, Dublin, I think. Mm. Um, and I, I just like the sort of um, as elephant type backgrounds that hand painted, muted, looks mm. like an old weathered sailing ship canvas type sail. Yeah, exactly. So basically, one day I turned this hand painted backdrop round, and it is just raw canvas. But since I shoot at different color temperatures, I can get it looking green. I can make it look brown. Different types of things. So all of my shots that you see on my Instagram are shot with this one here. So it's just the one color backdrop that I use. But um, finding my exact how I shoot just now and how I like it and how I have a consistency, it, it, it's one that I'm feeling very comfortable with. It's one that I'm not getting bored with. It's one that people are noticing, like yourselves. Mm. Uh, it's one that's you know, um, cast and directors are noticing, and it's sort of it's it's standing out amongst every, uh, other photographers in Stockholm, which is good. I enjoy that. So, yeah. the, the first, the first message I remember um, I sent you like years ago was like, I think I just asked you like, how did you light this thing? And you just came back with, oh, it's just one light in a softbox. <laughs> in my brain, yeah. it was like one light in a softbox. <laughs> Where it cannot possibly be that easy. But um, it's of course yeah. like, when you when no, you really I'm... look at it, it's it's all about like uh, not overcomplicating the whole thing. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I I sort of keep that sort of uh, way of thinking throughout everything that I do, not just in photography, but uh, I, I do like people when they use two or three lights, the effects they can get is great. But for me, uh, shooting actors headshots, it's it's more it's more than just uh, how the colors look. It's more the contact that the person has with the lens, how they how they uh, react to what I say and what I do. I'll only direct actors in front of the lens as much as I feel that they need to. If I over-direct, they're not going to look comfortable. Uh, so for me, it's just very, very subtle gestures that I do because I want them to look as natural as possible. So um, yeah, there's sort of, again, method to the madness of how I shoot with one light. I want to keep it quite simple. Not everyone walks around with 
you know, two, three lights down the street with no shadows and stuff. So I, I want to make them look uh, like you would see them if they walked into a casting room. That's how they look. Uh, it, it does work. Uh, it would be interesting to pick casting directors' brains in detail to see exactly what it is that really gets their attention and um, sort of work on that a bit more if possible. So we'll see. What might be quite interesting is if, if you don't mind, Sean, is just to walk us through um, what a typical headshot sec- session looks like for, for you. Um, so a lot of our viewers and listeners will be, you know, might just be getting into photography. Um, some of them yeah. have been doing it for, yeah. for many, many years. Um, but I think yeah. it's, it's good to hear a different take from someone who's a, who's a pro and is doing this every single day. Maybe there's a few tips that we can pick up, yeah. uh, pick up from you. I think for me, um, one of the biggest ones is shoot as much as possible. I know it's one that a lot of people say is, is shoot as much as possible, practice, practice, practice. But as far as me, when I first started off, I had uh, two daylight bulbs, two shoot-through umbrellas. It was like a, a, a basic kit that probably cost, I don't know, 40, 50 pounds. It, it was it was a starter kit. And I had uh, I, my first camera was a Nikon D3000, which was 10 megapixel. One, was it three or four focus points? Uh, I still managed to get some good shots off of that. Um, but when I started to have a, my passion started to grow for it, I started to, I got some uh, cheaper strobes, which worked quite well and not so controllable. Uh, then I moved up to Ellen Chrome. But as far as from when I meet a customer for the first time, it will generally be through Instagram or email through my website. And they'll say, okay, how do we do it? And I said, well, it's, it's really quite straightforward. Uh, it's a two to three hours session. We start off, we have a cough, we talk a bit for like 40, 45 minutes. Uh, then I get a couple of test shots with them standing in front of, of the lamp. I don't make a, a big deal out of shooting because that's just going to generally scare them. A lot of these actors don't like looking into cameras because that's what they're trained not to do. <laughs> so for me, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of a challenge, but it is still good. Uh, and generally like the first 10 shots, are you'd expect to be quite bad as far as they look, but since they're not expecting it to be the shots, there's normally generally two, three good shots out of the first 10 that can be used as actual headshots. Uh, some people take five minutes to warm up in front of the camera. Some people take four or five hours to warm up in front of the camera. My longest session was eight hours, oh, wow. uh, which was, she left about one o'clock in the morning, which was really, really long. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't want to stress people out in front of the camera because it would be something that I wouldn't want to be done myself. I wouldn't like to be told to come in, right? Stand on the X, smile, bang, 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 you're done. You're gone, you're out. So you generally get to feel how people are going to be um, during the session. It, you can sort of feel how it's going to go from the very first shot to the very last shot. Today's session, I shot the guy. This is the second time I shot him. It was about five years ago. But, um, yeah, it's a case of I, I just play. If I feel that they're getting nervous, I'll sit down. I'll make a coffee. We'll talk. We'll, I've got two beagles here, which they can play around if they're not allergic to them um so it's a a very homely type environment studio i shoot for my living room i just take off the lamp set up the backdrop and then it's good to go and people seem to enjoy it yeah so but as far as from start to finish i just take it 
like I've actually known them for a very long time, even though it's the first time I met them, because I know that it's a nerve-wracking experience, you know, being able to talk to them uh, on a sort of, uh, build a sort of rapport very, very quickly is quite important as well. It's not essential, but if you can make a, a genuine connection to them, you know, what type of music they like, what's their favorite actor, what's their favorite movie, it gets them distracted from what they're originally here for. And it, it does work. Distraction helps a lot. So it's like pulling a, a plaster off a band, you're like one, two, three, pull it off. So put one, two, pull it off. So it's a case of um, just trying to make them feel at ease, basically. Um, shoot as much as possible. Start shooting friends and family first. Then the very first person I asked on Instagram was someone who lives not too far from here. And uh, I was quite nervous, even just typing on Instagram, my hands were shaking. <laughs> I said, listen, uh, and the, the, how, I, how I started, I was like saying, I think you've got a great look. Uh, would you mind coming over for some headshots? And I asked, what's it for? You know, the best thing is to be honest, saying, listen, I'm, tr I'm trying to start up a portfolio of headshots, portraits. Would you mind? Um, nine times out of 10, they'll say yes. Uh, and it's, it's, it's the first few sessions that are the hardest. After that, you just build up more and more of a technique of like, well, I did this last week. I'll try this next week. And, you know, the, it's quite good. And I think the sort of the key to how I shoot people so well is that I'm very much a, a people person. You know, I can talk to them on a one-to-one -one level. Some photographers, they have very good results, but their approach to how they do it is completely different. Uh, and I want to be as human as possible when it comes to it so it's i mean it's, it's interesting this because um you know when i do a headshot session it's i totally agree it's it's really all about building a connection with with your you know your client um first and yeah it's um you know typically i do uh corporate headshots uh, quite a lot oh that's that's what i have done yeah that's what i did do before until until before the whole covid thing <laughs> you know um yeah <laughs> but you know but, but the thing is um of course most of most of my subjects are not really used to being in front of the lens. You know, they are business people. Yeah. You know, they have professional careers, and typically they need the headshots for very specific purposes, um, like you know, the company websites or um, LinkedIn or what, whatever it may be. Um, and mm -hmm. you're also kind of you're limited uh, in in terms of style. For instance, you know, uh, very often they require a white background because that's what's required for the website and, you know, to fit in with the corporate yeah. identity and all that kind of, all that kind of jazz. And so you, you very often have like a, a, a yeah, bit of a yeah. brief there. And so before, uh, just before, well, just at the beginning of 2020, I actually, we, we had a kind of long story short, we had an extension build to our house last year, last, last summer, 2019. And, um, right. and, and so it's the perfect space for a home studio type of a thing. So that's so similar mm -hmm. to you. I kind of, you know, I reset the room a little bit. I have a you know, backdrop and I set it up uh, as a studio space. And it's great. It's actually perfect because it kind of links onto our living room and it's a very kind of, it's a nice atmosphere. People can come in. My workstation yeah. is right there. So they can kind of, they can see as so I shoot tethered um, and they can see the images pop up on the screen. And it's, it's quite a relaxed sort of, you know, atmosphere and everything. And so at the beginning of 2020, yeah. I kind of thought, well, do you know what? I only live a few miles away from Pinewood Studios. There are a lot of actors around here. You know, yeah. like West London. Um, so really, I should I should actually um, I should consider that. And you know, um, 
and maybe I could get more people come to to me for shoots rather than me having to go out to companies and doing coaches there. So that was my thinking in sort of January, I guess about late December, early January, uh, you know, this year, and and so I I did a similar thing um, where I did a lot of TFP stuff to start with, yeah, and um, and just just at the crux of it when the word of mouth started to happen, that's lockdown. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, lockdown. That's the. Yeah, no, it it is horrible for me. It was a case of uh, March time. I had uh, I before before it sort of kicked off. You know, I, I was actually quite busy. I was getting like a lot of work in. Then it was the whole code thing. Then I didn't get any work for like six weeks, mm. uh, which was horrific. But then people started to come back after it. You know, one at a time. One one person came back. That's when another one came back. Who said, "Well, okay, it's 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 they seem to be safe." There was never really any lockdown over here as people you know they weren't wearing masks they were still traveling uh but then things got more worse with this, this second phase of it people the work started to dry up again and the first one that i had was a couple of weeks ago uh was a model and she sort of i said listen if you want i can wear a mask and i said yeah sure okay wear a mask came in and if you've worn a mask, it, it gets really quite warm and you, mm. your mouth sounds muffled. You can't really hear, you can't hear what they're saying or what you're saying yourself. Uh, then she wanted me to wear rubber gloves as well. So I was wearing rubber gloves and she was cold. So I had to close the window, turn the radiator on. So I was, I was sweating like a madman. I was just <laughs> incredibly uncomfortable. It lasted like about 45 minutes. I got some good photographs, so that's the main thing. But trying to talk through a mask, it's, you sound a bit like Darth Vader. It's, it's it's not it's not a good sound to have. So, but um, yeah. Uh, but it's a case of the only time I will go out to shoot is for the actors, the studio actors, uh, the uh, students. And um, there's generally when I first shot, there's like 37 actors that had to be shot, and it worked out like four or five minutes per student. And the first person I shot was this actress that went to Hollywood with Angelina Jolie. Mm. Uh, and I shot that one and it was, that was like half hour just for one person. So I got them, I got told to get a move on and shoot the rest of the students really quickly. So everyone else got like three minutes. Yeah. Still worked. It was their sort of the first sort of semi-professional like shot they would use. So it worked good. But generally most people come to me and um, Stockholm is really small. So um, again, it's it's a win-win situation for me. I'm very central in Stockholm, so mm-hmm. people don't have to get taxis and planes and whatnot. So it's a bit like uh, volume corporate headshots, you know. That's, yeah. Uh, like uh, I do, I do conferences and conventions and stuff like yeah. that. Especially conferences, you you often have, I don't know, I mean, sometimes hundreds of people you get to shoot, and it's literally like school photo time. <laughs> you know, yeah. Ting ting ting. ting. <laughs> See ya <laughs> next. So yeah, yeah. it very much is like that. Yeah. It's you know it's a different it's a different thing of course you don't you're not really you're not really creating artistic masterpieces um, that way you know there's no. it's like it's like commodity photography uh, no. to an extent but um, is it but yeah I mean I've I've always felt that working with actors um, is is actually to, for me that's always been a lot more fun because you can try out different things you can sort of yeah go a little bit more you can go a little bit beyond but well, you can actually get go off a lot beyond the kind of corporate headshot kind of look and stuff so it's yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I generally find that actors are 
very willing to try new stuff uh, as opposed to doing the same stuff with every single photographer. They want to try and get as much options as possible when it comes to headshots. So I will do headshots uh, and I'll do like the full body type shots. Uh, but, you know, that'll be a case of uh, uh, what I do, which no one else does that I know of is generally people will pay for the session and they'll pay for every single photograph that they get given. Right. But for me, I, I give them all the photographs that aren't blinkers or blurred or black, black frames. And the way I see it is the more they post, the more I get seen and the more airtime I get seen by them posting on their social media. So if I give them three pictures, that's when you're going to get shown for like three, four months and that's it. But if I give them, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 shots, they're going to post them a lot more and a lot more regular. So people do get to see my work all the time, whether they like it or not. So, but this, that's an interesting thing because, um, the one thing about headshot photography that's, that's always, I don't necessarily buffled me, but one of the things I learned really early on was, was that the the images or the shots that I think personally as a as a photographer that I think are the best ones I, I guarantee yeah. you those are not you know those are not the ones that the the client's going to choose yeah and yeah. um yeah and so I very very quickly and I'm, I think everybody makes that mistake at the beginning but I certainly made that um, I very quickly moved away from uh, me choosing the finals um, but having the yeah. client pick them in the session so what what I tend to do now yeah. is I tend to um, do like a selection session at the end of the shoot where I spend like 20 minutes or, you know, or whatever, yeah. uh, just going through the shots, making sure that um, the client is happy. We whittle, we whittle it down. And if they, you know, sometimes they do want to have some advice, like some, you know, professional advice. Yeah. Um, and that's all cool. But ultimately they make the decision as to which final yeah, shots absolutely. they choose. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, for how I, I used to do, I used to like give them all the low res images for them to choose. And I quickly found out for me that was bad because uh, they would, as you said, they would choose all the ones that just weren't good. They were good, but they weren't, didn't work as headshots. Mm. So now it's a case of they, the people that have shot me several times, they'll say, I trust you. You choose which ones you think's best. And for me, looking as an outsider at the photographs and not them looking at themselves saying, well, my nose looks big. Um, I don't like that picture, even though it's the best picture. So, uh, now it's a case of they will sort of listen and take my advice. I'll I'll give them reasons why I think my selection is better than what they chose. Mm. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, they can choose whichever one they want to use. But I say, listen, this one here is a lot better because the eye contact uh, is just, I'll shoot like a, a series of five or six. And it's like, I'll look them on a film strip and say, you know, like that one, that one, and that one. And I'll, I'll edit them and send them and say, well, what about that one that didn't get choose? Said, is this, it's a bit lifeless. You know, I'm sort of very direct when it comes to that. And they, they sort of gradually come around to see what I'm explaining to them, why it makes a good headshot. Cause it's, you want it to stand out very, very quickly amongst all the other headshots. A lot of headshots are taken with the girlfriend's mobile phone. And, you know, sometimes that's all you've got and that's, that's fine. But I think if you get some time and effort into having your headshots taken, it's going to come across as very professional and that you're interested in being an actor and you're showing a bit more initiative 
into what you do as an actor. So I think what I want to offer and do give is best opportunity possible for them to further their career as an actor. So you think there's a difference um, in headshots, not only stylistically, but also in, let's say, in the way um, in the way you, your models pose between UK headshots and and Sweden, for example? Do you, do you find there's a, there's a particular difference there? I don't think there's a, a difference. I think the, the UK market and the, the Swedish market, is a, it is a very European style to it. I think a lot of people uh, sort of do want to try and emulate or see what the new fad is as far as headshots go. I think the, the total difference is from American headshots and European headshots. Uh, I know for a fact that if the headshots I use over here or give to people over here, they use them in the States, they don't like them at all because they're too real. Mm -hmm. And vice versa, they have actors have headshots taken by like some of the best headshots photographers in LA or New York, if they try and use them over here, they'll say they're not real, they're too fake, they're too, they're too well lit, they're too, they just come across a bit too edited, a bit too fake, even though they're great photographs, they're just not believable. Uh, so as far as UK and uh, Swedish headshots, I think they're, uh, they're, they're very, very similar uh, as far as the style goes. And that's quite good uh, for me, if I sort of, dominated the market in headshots which i don't want to because then i'm just going to get complacent and a bit lazy and a bit fed up with it so when i do have challenges i think it's fantastic the biggest challenge i had was shooting a blind actress and um i can't say to her look at that painting on the wall or look at that door frame i had to sort of very quickly think how can i get her to look at a specific part you know, so I basically got my hand in front of the camera and went, got her to click. And each time I clicked my fingers, she looked exactly where the click was coming from. Mm. It seemed a bit strange, but I got her to look exactly where I wanted to. I can't say, move your head down three inches to the left, then two millimeters down again. Uh, it was a case of her hearing was her strongest sense. So getting her to do that was perfect. So. Yeah. Do you shoot men and women differently? Do you have a different approach? To no, I don't actually. Mm. Not at all. And I think uh, the first time that I did shoot the students at the actor's studio and um, after I finished shooting, uh, a couple, a group of girls came up and saying, we really appreciate that you shot us the same way you shoot the guys. Um, I didn't really think about it at the time, but if I start treating them differently from the men and vice versa, uh, the images are going to look completely different. And I wanted them to have, uh, even though there's going to be male roles and female roles, uh, I wanted them all to have like an even playing field. You know, I want to have an equal chance of, of applying for a role and getting it. You know, I didn't get the girls to stand very feminine. I got them to stand with their hands in the pockets. You know, the way you would stand waiting for a bus, that's how I got them to stand, just very, very naturally. I didn't, I didn't position them any differently from each other. And I think that's how the sort of the um, the style carries through from both male and female. Um, and not unless it's like a wedding photography that I'm doing, then that's a completely different kettle of fish. But shooting actors, I will treat them the same. And I think they sort of um, respect that I don't treat them any 
less differently or shoot them differently because they they want exactly what the men get and why not so yeah it, it, it does work do you direct them a lot or do you just let them let them kind of do their thing i generally direct as much as i feel they need to if they can come in here and i'll sort of as soon as they come in i'll sort of like shake hands and hand spirits come in and uh, then it's a case of I'll, I'll watch them as soon as they come through the door and i'll uh, i'll sort of realize before they even get in front of the camera like this person needs to straighten their back whatever it is but if they come in stand casually look how i feel they should do i direct as uh, as much as i feel that they need to be directed if they need to straighten up i'll do this if i need them to turn the head i'll turn the head like this here get them to follow the, the nose with a finger uh, so it is, it's very, very subtle movements that they need to do, especially if I tell them to like step, take a step forward, they'll take like a massive step forward. And I, so now I'm saying like baby step forward, baby step back, left, right. So it's just very small, um, gestures that I make to them. And a lot of it is hand gestures that I do for them. It just makes things easier for myself and for them. If they can see me do this with their head, turn this way here. It makes it so much easier rather than tilt your head to the left. I mean, your left or your right. So it just speeds things up, makes things flow a bit more faster. So, yeah. You ever had um, somebody come in um, who who's obviously looked at your Instagram um, and and figured you know, that's the kind of that's the kind of look they're after, and then you look at them, and you kind of go, well, actually, that's not going to work for you. I suggest something completely radically different. Uh, it's happened a couple of times. Uh, but I, I think um, what a lot of people do generally do ask photographers to do, they're also saying, well, I saw this style of photographer's Instagram. Can you do that? Mm. Or I saw that person's, can you do this? And for me, I make it as clear as possible. You know, it's what you see is what you get. Uh, th th there is some people that come in and um, I sort of try and not talk them out because I want to give them what they want, but in certain ways, I will sort of saying, well, this might fit your image a bit better, you know? So is, uh, if they want to be really shot like that, then I'll shoot like that. But I'll say, I will sort of try and point them in a way that's more flattering for them or shows off their best side. Um, it's, it's small things that when people come in, they'll have, have, have their hair parted on this side or this side. Uh, I sort of generally look for that. If they have the hair part on this side, that's generally the face they go for. If it's on this side, that's generally the side they go for. And they sort of sometimes pick the opposite side with the hair that's not parted. And I say, when as soon as they come in before they mention it, I say, that's your best side of the face there. And they said, how do you know? And they say, yeah, it is. But how do you know? I says, because you've got your hair part on that side and it sort of opens up the face, especially for uh, actresses. Uh, so... It's, it's generally, I've, I haven't had too many occasions where I've had to point people in a different direction, uh, thankfully, but a lot of people want to shoot me because they like how I shoot, so they're quite happy. I do say, what, what do you want to shoot like? And they'll say, I like what you shoot, just do what you do. I was like, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It saves a lot of hassle. I guess if you, um, you start going down different routes of style, um, that may not be yeah. your style and the way that you like to shoot. Ultimately, you end up both being kind of you know, dissatisfied with with the results, I guess, to a certain extent, because you've not done the style that you particularly like yeah. doing or would think would work best, and you don't do it all yeah. the time. 
and they end up with a photograph that they may not be actually be able to use or be particularly happy with. So, yeah, you know, yeah. if you want a different style, my friend, well, this photographer's great. Yeah, go go yeah. see him. Go let him. <laughs> you know, I, it, it'll be I, better I've for him, and then he'll probably respect you more for saying, you know, great, I appreciate that because that's you know, I'm just going to get the best result. Yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, I want to, you know, um, a reputation in no matter what you do. Uh, if you sort of, as soon as you sort of don't give what you want or try and sort of cover up a mistake that you've made, uh, that can be sort of, that will get passed on to other people. Stockholm yeah. is quite small as far as the actors go. There's a lot of them, but, you know, word does travel fast. Mm. So it's a case of, you know, you have to be very honest with people. Uh, and I think that's it's, it's definitely the best sort of policy for me. You know, if it's a case of, if I don't think I'm going to be able to do what they want, I'm saying, well, this person does amazing New York type portraits. Try them. I've, I've uh, advised other people to go to other photographers and photographers, they will sort of pass work on to other people if they feel that they can't offer what they're doing so it is a very much you scratch my back i'll scratch your back and uh it does work it does work which is good that was definitely one of the it was a thing like before covid um where you know i would get called for particular particular things uh particular jobs that you know i knew i wasn't going to shoot like food photography for example right because yeah. i know people who are first of all, professional food photographers, and also, you know, really much, have a much, have a lot more expertise in that field. And so I would, yeah. uh, I would naturally pass that stuff on because nobody wins if I do the shoot and screw it up basically. And then, you know, no, no, it has a negative no, no. impact on, on my reputation. And also likewise, you know, what goes around comes around. Right. But absolutely, um, um, it's, it's a funny thing because obviously since, you know, since the lockdown here, especially, you know, the, we had a massive uh, lockdown over the summer and now we're just yeah. in the second lockdown. And now it's more like anything that comes in, I'll make it work. <laughs> you want me to shoot guacamole? No problem. <laughs> I am the best guacamole photographer <laughs> in the world. Just bring stuff over. <laughs> you come to the right place. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you yeah. Know, it's, no, it's very I mean, how is, um How has the whole uh, COVID thing really affected you? Because I know um, you've mentioned it earlier. Um, you didn't really have sort of a full on lockdown like we've had over here in the UK. In Sweden, Sweden no. has handled the whole thing uh, completely differently, right? Yeah, I mean, over here, they have like a herd mentality uh, and the part of Stockholm, I'm in uh, uh, the southern part of Stockholm and um, it, it just seems to be business as usual. There will be, there was less people traveling. I did notice that. Uh, not many people wearing masks, which this time around there is out of a carriage on the train if there was like, say, 30 people. The first time around, there'd be like one person wearing a mask. Now to 30 people would be like 15, 16, 17 people wearing masks. Uh, I do carry around a hand spirit wherever I go. If I go on a bus, I touch, I get off the bus, hand spirit straight away. Uh, but yeah, there's been no lockdowns. There's just been recommendations from the government, um, from what I understand. Uh, so there has been no full-on stay-at-home or we're going to arrest you type uh, format. Um, but it's again, it's a case of you know, people do need to work. Um, uh, so it's a case of <laughs> if you're, if you work from home, you're a headfoot photographer and people aren't allowed to come around, you know, you're pretty much sort of down there 
down the stream without a paddle, you know, you, you really are pretty um, hard times are coming. But uh, hopefully that won't get to the point where they actually do force people to stay at home and just ride it out. Um, the first time around, the part where we live, it was the least affected out of all of um, Stockholm, from what I believe it was the least affected. Uh, generally, I think because there's not so much through traffic around here, it's where there's no like shops as such where lots of people travel through so it's people that live here are here and the, the switch people generally to keep to themselves anyway so um uh yeah it's it's hard it is hard but second time round seems to be harder at the moment mm. uh, but hopefully things will pick up i know in the uk today i think it's the first the first person got the vaccine in the uk today uh, it's going to be something I'm going to wait a year or so in case I don't drop dead or it takes vaccine if it has severe side effects. So I'm going to sort of hold my breath and use hand spirit until that time comes. So mm. but, uh, it is hard. The people are struggling. People in the service industry, like waitresses, waiters, chefs, are are losing their jobs. But there's not much you can do. Yeah. <laughs> so. Is I, th- I think over here, you know, the, the first, the original lockdown, um, lockdown yeah. version one, uh, you know, April, May, June, you know, over the summer, that was, uh, that was really tough. I mean, it was like literally everything was shut down. And then of course, um, yeah. over yeah. here in the UK, went into this tier system for a few weeks. It didn't actually last very long. Did it? No, not really. A few weeks. Very quickly, it was realized that it didn't work at all, <laughs> you know? And then, no, bef- no, no. You know, and before we knew it, uh, we were back in the in the second um, lockdown. Yep. And um, yeah, we're back into a tiered system. But apparently for Christmas, no one cares. So we can uh, yeah, we do what we want over Christmas. No. Business, business is open for, we're open for business for, for Christmas, apparently. That's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Rose. That's the thing. Uh, yeah, that's the thing over here. I think the amount of people that are allowed to gather for Christmas, I think the government has issued a gathering of no more than eight people mm. uh, in, in in Sweden. In Poland, I think it's five people, but uh, it's, it's it's tricky. It's tricky times because people <sighs> people just feel like they're missing out on stuff. And yes. you know, life is hard. It's something that you have to deal with quite fast. Uh, there's, there's nothing we can do about it. We have to hope that it does eventually go the same way as the swine flu goes you know the, the word deaths from the swine flu um i know people that had the swine flu and survived uh, i don't know any personally has died from corona thankfully uh but we just have to get through it the best we can you know i mean very so, often you know a situation like this i mean it's, you know there, there's opportunity within that in fact i mean we said it many times on this podcast the 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 sole reason why we started this podcast was actually a direct result of um of covid and and the lockdown because mm-hmm. you know for those of you yeah. who've been listening to 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 several of these episodes and we mentioned it quite a lot um you know we um you know we we found ourselves in a, in a situation where literally virtually all of my uh sessions have been cancelled you know all of my photography jobs have yeah have been cancelled or initially postponed and then eventually cancelled um to start yeah, with and yeah. you know we we were just uh you know, on the phone or whatever and saying like, okay, well, what are we doing now? <laughs> you know, well, what now? So you're obviously, you're very, we met, we talked about this earlier. You're very active on, on Instagram. Have you ever thought about um, YouTube? 
Uh, yes, yeah, so I think for me, I would have to find a format that would allow me to give 100% whilst interacting. I know some photographers just will put the camera on them or have two or three different cameras filming different angles from the, the top of their camera to the side of the studio. But I think for me, I think I'd, if I find something that would work for me uh, without sort of uh, affecting the results that I get from the headshots, then I would, mm. I, I, I think I would consider doing it. You know, uh, I think it would be quite good to be seen on a different platform other than just Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. So, you know, I, I think the more exposure, I think the better, basically. So, do you, think, do you, do you get more, um, of response from from instagram or from facebook generally uh for me it is a lot i'd say about 90 percent comes from instagram i do get some off facebook because because i do share from instagram to facebook so then if people aren't on instagram they will see it through facebook so it's a small percentage that i do get from facebook um uh, i do get quite a lot surprisingly enough from the actual websites uh, we'll get people emailing from the website which i do have listed on the instagram so mm. whether they see on instagram then they see the website uh, either way they they find me eventually which is quite good but a lot of the time it is word of mouth that i get contacted to shoot headshots um it is good. I know a lot of photographers are doing sort of location shots outside, you know, like natural light and stuff. Uh, so it's doing the whole social distance and keeping apart from like keeping away from people. But um, yeah, I, I think in, uh, YouTube would be um, a good fit. I think I would just have to find uh, a method that works best for me, basically. So but other than that, yeah, I think it'd be something worthwhile looking into. Uh, I know Peter Hurley does it amazingly. Uh, you do it very good as well, like amazingly well. But I think it's a case of once I find my niche in YouTube, as I have done with actual headshots, I think it could be quite, quite, quite a good marriage of the two. You know, see people, can people actually see how I actually work, mm. as opposed to just to seeing the actual pictures at the end of the product. So. Peter Hurley is, is pretty much of the gold standard when it comes to totally um, commercializing every every yeah. single aspect of uh, yeah. of headshot photography. Um, you know, not only not only in terms of like creating you know creating a recognizable kind of style, but also you know the whole the headshot crew thing, the kind of um, the sort of educational part um, to that, yeah. um, and uh, and and just generally. Um, because it's a lot of, he endorses a lot of products as well. That's the other thing that a lot of he does. really branded, um, he does products. I mean, I think, well, I think when I first started a uh, forum, he was, uh, uh, for me, it was when he was at his best cause he, he was shooting with his Hasselblad camera. Mm -hmm. He didn't have any products. He was shooting with, um, Kino flows or whatever it was, but he had a very hands-on approach to how he talked to people, how he directed people. He was very good with his banter. He, he knew how to get people to laugh, how to smile naturally. He never got people, he never said smile for the camera. He never said that. He just said, told a joke or said something about the hair or whatever it is, or told him to stop looking so glum or whatever. So as far as uh, his style, um, then once he went into 
doing his products. I, I still love his stuff. It's absolutely amazing. He's starting to do dark stuff now as well, which is really good. But then there's another photographer called uh, Jeff Rojas, which is a uh, portrait fashion photographer. And his stuff is, I think his black and white stuff is how I sort of saw myself head in that direction. So mm. with thanks to him, my black and whites are as they are. I'll convert to black and white. Then I'll use the the cold, the temperature uh, greater from warm to cold i'll put the blue down to the blue section so it brings out the redness in the black and white so when you sort of see it the skin is like a bit of a silvery type tone to it uh it's very cold type look even though it's black and white it's, it's a very sort of hard to describe actually it's not black and white it's a bit of silverness to the skin the blacks are black and the you know people got blue eyes the eyes will sort of pop out a bit more without actually having to edit them so it is a very stylized black and white but it's it's a black and white that i quite look the like of you know so it's it's it's, it's interesting experimenting and getting the right type that i like the look of so what, what kind of advice would you give anybody you know, if anybody was was um, thinking about starting out in um, in sort of actors' headshots or something, what what piece of advice would you give them? Don't despair. There's 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 going to be uh, people that don't like your work. Uh, don't let that put you off. Uh, some people are put off by the fact that that person doesn't like their photography. You know, keep at it. You know, you will find. Uh, a method that works for you and that you will uh, get people to like. Uh, when I first started off, I was going to like magazine stores, looking at lots of magazines of portraits, headshots, look on the internet. So like Pinterest is, is a great place for inspiration uh, and actually finding on Instagram groups that will solely sort of focus on headshots or portraits. Uh, I don't, uh, the, the, again, the reason why I like the landscape portraits is, you know, Peter Hurley did it. I like the look of it. Um, and with the, with the whole portrait orientation of portraits, there's not that much uh, room for the eye to look around the whole pitch. So I do like a bit of blank space to one side. Uh, so I think it's a case of primarily shoot what you like shooting and convince people what you're doing is good you know people people like what they like but they like to be told what looks good and i think you know i sort of uh, i do it now in a kind way uh, i don't want to say that looks rubbish because it's just rubbish you know what i the way i do it is the best i'm not saying that the best of what i do but what i'm doing seems to be working very well but you know look at as many uh headshots or portraits as possible make a folder on your desktop and make like a, um, a swatch book of headshots and whatever stands out the most if you pick peter hurley style headshots or my style headshots and i would sort of say you know go with what you like the look of uh, don't try and be too inventive as far as shots go because you know there's a there's a technique to doing it but you know follow what you like and try and emulate it and um, try and make it your own style i shoot with the one light other photographers shoot with one light but rather than shooting at 45 degrees and 45 degrees i also like do 35 degrees and 35 degrees or, you know, to get the rembrandt type light mm. 
So I'll sort of play around with that. And again, I want to make it look as natural as possible. I don't sort of have light coming from up above or you know, from below. It's too much like zombie light. And so it's a case of, you know, if, if it feels good to you and it looks good to you and, and you shoot that way and you keep shooting that way, you will eventually uh, get a following of people. You will get people wanting to work with you. And it's a case of just, just, just don't give up. Uh, a lot of people do give up and, and it's a shame because some of the stuff that I have seen people do, they've stopped and it's because they've had bad critique. I'm, I'm not really, no one likes bad critique of their work, but it's a case of why don't you like it? I don't mind critiques, like why don't you like it because of that? Okay, fair enough. I'll try and alter it without changing my style. Uh, so it's a case of just keep going. You know, if 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 you like it, other people are going to like it eventually. So. The funny thing we had uh, one of our other guests on, Tommy Reynolds. We asked him, like, you know, what did it feel like the first time you got like a thumbs down on your YouTube channel? You know, what what did that feel like? And he goes, interestingly, interestingly, he said um, that was like total confirmation that I'm doing the right thing. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> no. Yes. Something yeah. Absolutely. Dislike. Absolutely. I mean, it's uh, it's a case of you know don't follow the crowd because then you're just you're not going to stand out from from everyone else. And uh, I, I had a sort of similar situation. It's like someone said, um, uh, "Your work, it's they all look the same." An artist said this, uh, an artist said, uh, your work looks all the same. There's just nothing new about it. And it says it's called consistency, yeah. you know. <laughs> and I said, uh, if if what I'm doing is wrong, then I'm, people are wrong for liking what looks the same. You know, I, I have a look that looks similar and people like it. So it's it's just their opinion that they think it looks the same. But for me, consistency is good, you know. Uh, I try and be consistent. Uh, to how the headshots look. There is some variations, but for the most part, as you said, you can sort of pick out some of my headshots when they do up saying, yeah, that's, you know, Stockholm Sean, whatever it is, you know. So it's good to have consistency in work. Uh, don't jump from like HDR portraits to black and white and noir type stuff. You try and keep it similar from a early stage. I experimented a lot with headshots and colors and orientations and um thankfully i've seen Torf settle down into landscape portraits and uh yeah they, they work quite well especially for castings so it's good that's definitely the consistency is, is definitely the one thing um one amongst many things but it's a very distinctive um attribute of your of your instagram for sure because yeah, you can literally scroll on forever. I try to. <laughs> this is funny because one of the things I do when I, you know, when we have a guest on, of course, I, I check out their you know social media and stuff. And I try. What's interesting sometimes is when you go to the very beginning of their Instagram account and you kind of see how they've <laughs> developed, you know, over the years, sort of thing. And yeah. uh, it's like it's like looking at your first very first Facebook post from two thousand eight or something, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And you compare that to like what, what it's like now. You know, back in the, do you know when Facebook first started? It was like it said. Like, you know, it would say your name and then, then it said is. is. Like, mm. Kirsten Nuts is. And I, I came across my very first post the other day and it's like, Kirsten Nuts <laughs> is very tired right now. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. so stupid. Like, nobody would, nobody would post anything like that these days. No, 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 no. But you know, the, thing about, the thing about your account was like, so I was scrolling and scrolling and I never got to the beginning of no. it. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 which is awesome. I, and the, the thing that was really striking was that 
it was so totally consistent. It would just, you know, it just looked awesome. After three minutes of scrolling, it just looked yeah. as awesome as it did in the beginning. It was just absolutely phenomenal. So, yeah. Well, that's the, I think my very first pitch on Instagram is when I lived in uh, West Kensington. Uh, I did my Sunday laundry and I was sitting down on the sofa with the springs were out. So I was like three inches off the ground. It's just like a with Neil and I type movie. And I was sort of sitting there and I had my, my trusty Fuji Fine Picks 5600. And I took a picture of uh, the tumble dryer. That was at my very first picture on Instagram as a picture of a tumble dryer in West Kensington. <laughs> was it black and white? It wasn't. It was color, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I would change it black and white now. But uh, yeah, that was my very first picture as far as I know. It was, was a picture of a couple of American-style tumble dryers. That was it. My very first one. <laughs> Instagram was a funny one because I, I tried to get my head around that early on, uh, you know, a few years ago. And I can, the first thing I did was actually I, I figured that uh, the story function, I think Instagram had just just introduced the story function. And I figured there must be something more interesting that I can do with that rather than just taking a snap and another snap and a bit of video. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and so I thought like, oh, maybe if I, if, I actually, if I actually script and film actual stories of stuff that happens and kind of almost like overproduce it and go yeah. way over the top, then it would be quite fun because 24 hours later, it would be gone. So yeah, you put in exactly. all of that work and it'd be 24 hours later and it's just, you know. It just disappears, yeah. Yeah. Then it's this kind of thing where if you want to, if you enjoy these stories and you want to you want to follow it or whatever and you want to watch it, you really only have 24 hours to watch it. And then after that, yeah. it's just gone. It just disappears, yeah. yeah. I mean, what I try and do to, I sort of try and um, support many of the photographers that I do like the look of, I will sort of screenshot there. Uh, Instagram page saying go follow this photography he does great black and whites or he does great colors or he does amazing landscapes you know I do like landscapes it's just I have a preference for shooting people you know landscapes don't tend to smile that much in front of the camera but <laughs> I do I, I do sort of try and uh, sort of you know um, give other people some exposure on to it as well you know I don't have that many followers but, you know, if someone gets three or four followers from that, then, then fantastic. You know, uh, I have it done to me. People say, go and check out Sean's work on Instagram, follow him. And I do get some new followers. I do get some new clients out of it. But at the end of the day, it, it is fun. I don't see what I do as work. And uh, I think the day that I see it as doing work, then it's going to be uh, quite, quite dull, quite boring. So. <laughs> on that note, um, Again, you know, if you if you like this interview with Sean um, and you like the Camera Shake podcast, uh, episode what what around episode thirty four, uh, please um, subscribe to our channel on on YouTube. Um, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, just scroll down to the very uh, very bottom and leave us a little review. That'd be super awesome. Uh, you give us a little star rating, that would really help out the show. Um, Sean, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, Likewise, totally awesome. In fact, you were one of the first people when we first decided. Um, to do this podcast and uh we decided to have guests on the show um you were one of the one of the top names on the top of my list of people oh, i want to speak to <laughs> so you know but that's the, that's the thing that there's there's, there's people that i've seen you interview i'm like oh my dear god why, why, why am i on a, a podcast with people like that tommy reynolds and heather cousins and stuff like that. i was like uh, have they got the right person here they want to interview are they sure <laughs> yeah oh, man. Man, I, I tell you something this is actually this is this is really um this is funny because it's, it's kind of we had uh we interviewed last week we interviewed adam lerner 
um, yeah. which is um, an episode that's coming out this Thursday. And that for me was like total fanboy time. <laughs> oh, really? Because, you know, the reality is like people often, uh, I get a lot of questions like this, you know, how do you get these people to come on your podcast? And it's like, the answer is I just ask them. It's really that simple as yeah. that. I just shoot them an email yeah. and, or an Instagram message or whatever and just ask them, you know? It's perfect. Um, and uh, most of the time they say no. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, I'm lucky they say yes. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, but with uh, with Adam Lerner, it was one of these things, you know, where he kind of he just emailed me back pretty much straight away. Were well, your hands shaking when you were typing the email to him? No, well. it's kind of no because I, I kind of almost expected him to say no. You know, it's just like you know when you like there's certain people that kind of know if I emailed any Leibovitz or something, I'd expect not to get a response. You know yeah. what I mean, it's just you don't think that you will. Should we send that off tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. See you, Alex. Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Over it. But um, but you know, and then then Adam just went like, oh yeah, that sounds cool. When do you want to do it? I'm like, really? Really? Wow. <laughs> Did you just say that? <laughs> Wicked. <laughs> so you know, but it's it's like the thing. The, the truth of it is, is that you know we're, we're doing this because a you know we talk about photography all the time, and it's just you know it's awesome to speak to other people about the same thing that we talk about all yeah. the time. So that's it's cool. refreshing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and the other thing is that um, it's a real opportunity for us also to to learn something. Because you learn something. Every time you speak to somebody who's really good at what they're doing, you learn something new. And yeah. um, there hasn't been a single episode uh, that, we've, that we've made where I haven't learned something. Mm-hmm. Like there's always something oh, I've nice. taken from it. And, yeah, you know, no. sometimes it's like something like a technique, you know. Sometimes it's just a way of thinking. Yeah. Um, and it really does change your own approach to uh, to photography as an art form, yeah. um, as a you know as a, as a technical thing. Um, yeah, like I said, we've learned technical technical aspects. And we're both yeah. not really film shooters. Um, and talking to talking to Adam about um, about film photography and um, the way he thinks about that, and that's really that was uh, quite sort of you know eye opening. Um, mm-hmm. You know, talking to you about. The, the way you approach um, your clients and models and stuff is it's, it's really interesting, you know. So there's always something, um, there's always something um, in there that that will, you know, uh, teach us something new. And that's really that's that's one of the major sort of interesting aspects. Yeah. Um, and at the yeah. same time, we get to know lots of lots more photographers. Absolutely. It's great. <laughs> it is. It's, it's good. It's, it's sort of growing the community. Uh, two quick things is um, sort of uh, tips is when you have people in front of the camera is just to get them breathe naturally, just mm. slow down, breathe naturally. And when they do that, things literally just slow down. You can sort of see their breathing slow down and just to get to be themselves. Don't try to be Tom Hiddleston. If you're not Tom Hiddleston, you know, be yourself, breathe slowly and just be normal. Uh, and that works so, so well. So, so well. So, awesome. Yeah. I think Tom Hiddleston went to school next to me. Yeah, did he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. I think he did. Yes, yeah, I think. Pretty he sure he went to it. Yeah, 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 that's true. <laughs> cool. Well, um, are you are you planning on coming to the UK at some point? At some point, I want to. Uh, I do have quite a few actors that have moved to London. Uh, a lot of Swedish actors have moved to London, uh, so it would be quite good to sort of do a bit of a a tour of London, shoot some people on over there probably meet up with you guys as well uh, which would be which would be a lot of fun um but yeah i do plan to come over but uh we'll see how the whole um covid thing pans out first uh, yeah yeah let's, let's talk again next year yeah well <laughs> absolutely yeah, yeah absolutely. masks on this time as well <laughs> cool awesome um sean oh, i'll tell you what i'll mm-hmm. tell you what we do have to do is tie that in with um we want to do a big party <laughs> yeah 
at some point with all of our guests that we've had on, you know, episode Zoom. 100 sort of, yeah. sort of territory. Oh, fantastic, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, in like 66 weeks from now. <laughs> yeah, true. Is that right? Is my maths right there? Well, it maybe, be. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so that's our plan. Oh, yeah. it's, uh, episode 100 is going to be one massive party, yeah. for sure. Oh, I'm up for that. I'm up for that, definitely. <laughs> Wicked, man. I'll get the absolute vodka out. <laughs> hey. Oh, it's the way to go. Maybe we should bring this to episode 35. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I know, it'll be like, you know, Daniel with his, um, like, draft, craft beer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. let's go. Yeah. Work it right, uh, Sean. It was an absolute pleasure. Really on the show. Likewise, likewise. Um, nice meeting, speaking to you. Absolutely, totally. And um, sure, you know, I'll be following your uh, your head of work um, on, on Instagram. Much. And um, great man, thanks so much for coming on. Take care and be safe. And we'll you speak too. Soon. And we'll okay. speak soon, man. All right. All right. Take it easy. Thanks very much, Sean. Bye bye. <laughs> <All right. laughs>